We thank and bless your holy name this morning. May you be exalted. May you be lifted up. May you be magnified. You are the Lord our God. We give you the glory this morning. We give you the honor. We declare you are worthy. We declare you are awesome. We declare you are wonderful. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. This morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Pristine. May the Lord richly bless you. We bless the name of the Lord. And thank you, Pastor Songa, as well, for leading us this morning. Amen. Today, we continue with our series on life is about choices. And uh, we are looking at part five. And I want us to go to the book of Genesis chapter 25. We are going to read verse 29 to verse 34. We continue with the case study of Esau and Jacob. We saw last week that despite the fact that they were born almost the same time and they came from the same womb and they had the same father and they had the same mother, their destinies were different. And I have been emphasizing the fact that life is about choices and the choices we make in life have consequences. We cannot make choices and expect to have different consequences. Every choice has a consequence. Hallelujah. Every cause has an effect. Amen. So I want us to go to the book of Genesis 25 and we'll read verse 29. My Bible reads, Now Jacob cooked a stew And Esau came in from the field and he was weary. He was tired. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with the same red stew, for I am weary. So he knew that indeed he was tired, but he wanted the same red stew. So I want you to underline, he was weary. Same red stew. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. I want you to underline those words, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I am about to die. Underline, I am about to die. Sorry, today you are doing a lot of underlining. So, what is this birthright to me? I want you to underline that part as well. What is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, to, said, swear to me as of this day. Underline that part again. Swear to me as of this day. So, he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Underline, sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank 
arose and went his way. Thus Esau, despite his birthright, finally underlined, thus Esau, despite his birthright. Amen. Quickly in the time that we have. So last week we saw that the challenge that we, that Esau had was he operated from a totally different system from the kind of system that Jacob operated from. And if you are not in church last week, I would like you to listen to that uh, podcast or to that message that was preached uh, last week. But last week we were asking ourselves a question, which system are you operating from? Are you operating from a Jacob system or you are, or you, are, you, or are you operating from an Esau system? Hallelujah. Unfortunately, these things are recorded. So I'll be seeing that I was like, you know, but it happens. Amen. <laughs> At least I have you on my side. Oh, amen. Now, the second thing I want us to look at today is to look at the purpose and values. The purpose of Jacob and the values of Jacob were very different from the purpose and values of Esau. The interesting thing in life is that each one of us gathered in this room this morning, we relate to life based on our sense of purpose. Our sense of purpose is actually the question you have to ask yourself, why am I here? Why was I born? And unfortunately, a lot of people do not know the reason why they were born. They do not know the reason why they are here. If I ask this microphone, why are you here? The, it has got a reason why it is here. Why, why it exists on planet earth. It's to make sure that it amplifies my voice. Amen? Now, the very same question has to be asked of you. Why are you here? You have to ask yourself that question. Why am I here? Why was I born? You were not born by a mistake. You were not born just because your father and mother decided that they wanted to have a child and therefore you were born. Why was it that it was you who was born and not the other one? Hallelujah. Amen? You have to ask yourself, why is it on that day that God decided that it had to be me conceived and not another person? And, and you begin to understand and appreciate that you are so valuable before the sight of God. Amen? But then, what then happens in life is that we, all of us, we respond to life based on our value system. What are values? Values are beliefs that we choose to live our lives by. So anybody who lives their life, actually there are things that they have chosen that I'm going to live my life by this set of beliefs. Christians live their lives, I hope and believe that you are living like that, based on what the word of God says. Muslims as well, they have got their belief system. So they live their life based on that. Hindus also have got their belief system. They live their lives based on that. And every other one, even the ones that say there is no God, they have a belief system that says there is no God. And therefore they live their life based on the belief system that there is no God. 
Hallelujah. And you live your life based on the fact that there is a God in heaven and that he is the father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that everything about your life, if there is anybody that you want to please, is you want to please this God. You live your life on the basis that you know you are the righteousness of Christ. You live your life based on the fact that you are a royal priesthood, the chosen generation, children of God. You live your life based on the fact that the one we believe in came and he has left, he's going to prepare a place for us. So we know that this place where we are living in, Nipongo Embegezela, we are just passing through. Hallelujah. So there is a belief system. A belief system, a value system is what you consider to be most important for you to achieve your purpose. So whilst we are waiting to go to glory, we know we are here to accomplish a purpose. We know we are here to do something else. And there are things that you choose. I'm going to live my life by these principles, by this belief system. The challenge is, you can know your purpose. You can know why you were born. So let's assume that you believe that the reason you were born on planet earth is that God called you to be a preacher. Now, if God called you to be a preacher... That means you have to live your life based on a certain value system. You cannot just be spending all your time watching uh, movies. You cannot just spend all your time watching news. You cannot just spend all your time checking social media. You cannot just spend all your time watching cheaters and all those other things. It will mean that your value system is flawed. Hallelujah. It will, you know your purpose. But your value system is flawed. Your value system is upside down. And because of that, even though you know your purpose, even though you know the reason why you are here, you may actually not be able to accomplish and achieve your purpose. So you already understand there that our value system must be in sync with our purpose on life. Our value system must support our purpose. The way you, you live your life is not exactly the same way that somebody lives their life. Hallelujah. That's why you cannot just copy everything. So let's look at Esau. So verse 29, the Bible says, Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And what we are understanding here is that Esau went to the field. And remember last week we saw that he was a hunter. So most likely he had gone hunting. And after he chased a lot of kudus and antelopes and whatever, maybe on this day he came back home without an animal. Hallelujah. And when he came back, he worked very, very hard. He is back home, but he is now hungry, and he is tired, and he sees Jacob with the food. Hallelujah. And what I, I want you to know is this. The reason why you need to know your purpose is because sometimes you can work so hard and have nothing to show for it. You can work so hard and have nothing to eat. There are people who work so hard in their fields, but at the end of the day, they have nothing to eat. 
Hallelujah. Last week I said talent without wisdom is nothing. So, so this man comes back and he's very, very tired and he sees Jacob has a stew. And immediately in verse 30, the Bible tells us that a negotiation started between Esau and Jacob. What is negotiation? This is what happens in a negotiation. In negotiation, you give up something in order for you to get what? Something. So assume you were selling oranges at uh, five these days they sell them out. 500 kwacha a dozen. Alright? What, what are you looking for? Why are you selling the oranges? You want what? You want money. So somebody comes and he has got 400 kwacha. And he says, how much are you selling the oranges for? And he says, I'm selling them for 500 kwacha a dozen. And the person says, no, I don't have 500 kwacha. I have 400 kwacha. That, what is happening there now? It's a what? A negotiation. You have to make a decision. Okay, I will allow you to get the oranges at 400 kwacha a dozen. You are allowing yourself to give up 100 kwacha. It doesn't mean that you don't want the 100 kwacha. You actually want the 100 kwacha. But at this point in time, you are saying, I am ready, I am willing to give up the 100 kwacha. I, let me at least get the 400 kwacha. The other person get the oranges off he goes and you have you got your hundred your four hundred quarter in the pocket. That is a negotiation. So in negotiation, you have to know how to give up what you have in order to get what you value. Because at that point, what you are valuing is the white antitandy, you are valuing the money. If you are not ready to lose. You're, to, to get your oranges gone at 400 quarter a dozen, what you're going to say, but as for me, I have decided my oranges are being sold at what? 500 quarter. You can go and try another person selling oranges, but mine are going for 500. At that point in time, the negotiation has happened. You have maintained your ground. Hallelujah. So when he comes, Jacob, uh, Esau tells Jacob, and he says, Please feed me with that same red stew for I am weary. I am hungry. I am tired. Please feed me with that same red stew. And, and that same red stew has put a lot of people in trouble. Because you want the same red car. You want the same red watch. You want the same red jacket. You want the same everything. Most of the times we operate from a system whereby we say, I want the same thing that you have. The question is, where did Jacob, who was not a hunter, get the ingredients to cook the stew? That's a question we need to ask ourselves. And, and, and Esau, maybe because he was tired, maybe he had come back with an animal, but he says, I am very, very tired right now. I don't want to cook my own stew. I want the finished product. Most of the times we want the finished product, but we don't want the recipe. 
We have got our dear sister here who, who cooks some really nice dishes. I don't know how many of you have gone to her and said, can you give me the recipe for jollof rice? But all we say, just bring me the finished product. Hallelujah. We, we want to drive cars and we, all we want is we just want the petrol. We just want the diesel. Even though we may have the oil, but we are saying we are not ready to process the oil into Vaseline. We want Vaseline. We want, we want diesel. We want, we want petrol. We want gas. We want all these other things. God can bless you with oil, but you need to know the process of turning the oil into diesel, into paraffin, into petrol, into Vaseline, into gas. But you can have those things and still continue to import. Hallelujah. You can have soya and still continue to import cooking oil. Even though you have, you're saying, no, 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 no. We want the very same cooking oil that you have. Even though we have soya, we are not ready to process our soya. You are not even ready to say, okay, couldn't they We have to ask ourselves, how do you make humus? How do you make this? How do you make that? How do you make that? We are not ready to do that. All we want is, we want the finished, what? Product. What you tend to see with a lot of Esau's is that Esau's are consumers of finished products. And if you look at us as a nation, we are a nation of consumers. Even oranges we import from South Africa. Irish potatoes we import. A lot of things, a lot of Eastern nations, they are importers. They are not exporters. If they export anything, it's a raw product, which later on is processed and is sold back to them four times the price they sold it for. Hallelujah. So they don't look for the process to produce their own. They only buy what others are produced. What Esau's do is that they consume today's seed and hopes for a great harvest tomorrow. In your life, the Lord is going to give you an opportunity to invest. But a lot of people eat the seed for investment. And still continue to pray and believe in that. One day, one day. And they keep on saying, you, you wait. You will see what God will do in my life. When they have eaten everything. God made you not to spend 100% of your salary. 10% goes to him. The other 10% has to go for offering. 20% needs to go for investment. The other 10% needs to go towards savings. Actually, you need to spend about, you, you, need, you need to sit down, go home and say, how can I live on 50%? Hallelujah. How can I live on 50%? So the 20% should go towards investments. Every, every month, every month, God has been giving you money for investing. But you never even do that. Actually, you, it's when you plan everything and say, how are we going to spend this? 
Every single month, since the day you started earning money, since the day you started earning money, including your children, the money you have been giving to your children, they actually, you need to teach them that they have to set aside a certain amount of money that you can buy something for them towards investing. Hallelujah. And, and this we do over and over. If I ask you right now, how many of us have spent our salary over and over and over and over and over again without setting aside some little money for towards investing? None. So in verse 31, Jacob says, the stew is available. The stew is available, but it is for sale. It is for trading. Hallelujah. So Jacob says, okay, you know what Esau, I'm going to give you what I have and I will take what you have as of this day. I will take your 400 kocha. I will take your money, but I'm going to give you these oranges. Because you know, when you, how many of you have bought tangerines at Zalewa and other places and you come home, there were uh, 12, uh, 12 is a dozen, right? A dozen for 500 kwacha. And you come home and you begin to peel them and you realize, Have you ever gone back to say, the, orange, the tangerines you sold me, six of them had maggots and worms in them and therefore I need my money back. The person will say, I sold you the tangerines as they were. And when you were buying, I didn't force you. Hallelujah. And that's what is happening here between Esau and Jacob. So Jacob says, the stew I have, but I want you to sell me your birthright as of this day. From this day onwards, I will be the one possessing the birthright and the birthright will no longer be yours. Hallelujah. Amen. Why? What what was happening here? What was happening was that Esau was seeing the present. Because the stew he could see. The stew he could see. The stew he could eat today. The stew looked more valuable for the moment. And it satisfied the present need. The challenge we have, men and women of God, is that we tend to look at satisfying the present need and we forget about tomorrow. At once the birthright, it was very valuable. But it was for the future. It was satisfying a future need. What was a birthright? We will look at a few scriptures. A birthright was a Jewish blessing that a father had to give to his firstborn son, entitling him to a double portion of his inheritance. So let's go to Deuteronomy. I'll read some scriptures very quickly. Deuteronomy 21, verse 15 to 17. The Bible says, If a man has two wives, one loved and the other unloved, and they have borne him children, both the loved and the unloved, if the firstborn son is of her who is unloved, then it shall be on the day that he bequeaths. Bequeathing is leaving property to a person or a beneficiary by a will. Hallelujah. On the day he bequeaths his possession to his sons, that he must not bestow, he must not confer, he must not present. Firstborn status on the son of the loved wife in preference of the son of the unloved. 
the true firstborn. But he shall acknowledge the son of the unloved wife as the firstborn by giving him a double portion of all that he has. For he is the beginning of his strength. The right of the firstborn is his. Hallelujah. So for all of us, if, if, sorry brother Levi and sisters, I'm going to use you. So actually what is happening is that for leaving Homer, if he was going to give a blessing, an inheritance, it means he needs to give double to TJ than to Tando. You understand what I'm saying? It means Pastor Sunga needs to give double to Linga than to Tami and who? And Miko. It means our, our dear brother who, who, who else? <laughs> okay, Sister Tandy has to give double to Roy than to Kwashe. Hallelujah. So what is happening here is that God is telling, is telling them that you will, the firstborn, you will give him double because he is the beginning of your strength. Mugamati mulindi mwana. Kudandu hazi kuchuna kudi bambaga aje uje. You understand what I'm saying? You give him double. Hallelujah. So you actually see the birthright had to do with position and inheritance. By birthright, the firstborn inherited the leadership of the family. The firstborn inherited the judicial authority of the father. The birthright denoted that there were special privileges and advantages belonging to the firstborn among the Jews. In England today, if you are firstborn in the royal family, automatically you become king. Even though Prince Harry may be very popular, but Prince William knows he's the next king. You look at George today. Everybody goes, hey, George, George, George. But everybody knows this one in future will be king. Hallelujah. So as a firstborn, because of birthright, you became the priest of the family. And when you, and, and when you look at Reuben, I'll, look at it, I'll, I'll show you a few things. When you look at Reuben, Reuben was the firstborn of Jacob. So the priest uh, of, am I right? Reuben was the firstborn of who? Jacob. Jacob, yeah, of Jacob. So the birthright actually belonged to him. The priest would also belong to him. But however, that honor was transferred to Levi. In Numbers chapter 3, verse 11 to 13, the Bible says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Now behold, I myself have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel, instead of every firstborn who opens the womb among the children of Israel. Therefore the Levites shall be mine, because all the firstborn are mine. On the day that I struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctify to myself all the firstborn in Israel, both man and beast. They shall be mine. I am the Lord. The same thing is said in Numbers 8, 17 to 18. 
For all the firstborn among the children of Israel are mine, both man and beast. On the day that I struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctified them to myself. I've taken the Levites instead of all the firstborn of the children of Israel. However, however, Reuben, Reuben, Reuben did something that sought away his birthright and deprived him of the birthright. In Genesis 49 verse 1 to 4, and Jacob called his sons and said, gather together that I may tarry worship before you in the last days. Gather together and hear you sons of Jacob and listen to Israel your father. Reuben you are my firstborn, my might and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. Unstable as water you shall not excel. Because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it, he went up to my couch. That incident happened in Genesis 35 verse 22 when Jacob was now, has come to Bethel and they are going to Bethlehem. And on the way to Bethlehem, it happened that Jacob went to sleep with Bilhah, who was his father's concubine, who was the mother of Dan and Naphtali. So he went to sleep with her. And because he did that, it says in verse 22 of Genesis 35, and it happened when Israel dwelt in that land, that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard about it. And when Jacob heard about it, he said, there is a day, there is a day, I shall know what to do. And because of his disrespectful conduct, his birthright was gone. In First Chronicles chapter 5, verse 1 to 2, it says, Now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, he was indeed the firstborn, but because he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel, so that the genealogy is not listed according to the birthright, yet Judah prevailed over his brothers and from him came a ruler, although the birthright was Joseph's. So eventually Jacob gave the birthright to Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh. But then the Bible tells us that Judah prevailed. It's a preaching on its own. Because Judah was the fourth born. He was the fourth son. He was the son of Leah. The one who was unloved. You remember the story? That Jacob loved Rachel. He didn't love Leah. And, but, but God chose Judah from the unloved wife to become the one who became the, the father of all. We now call Jesus Christ the lion of the tribe of Judah. There is something that Judah did which I'm going to share with you later on. The firstborn also inherited the judicial authority of his father, whatever it was. In Second Chronicles chapter 21, verse 1 to 3. And Jehoshaphat rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. Then Jehoram, his son, reigned in his place. He had brothers, the sons of Jehoshaphat, Azariah, Jeho, Zechariah, Azarahu, Michal, and Shephatiah. All these were the sons of Jehoshaphat, king of Israel. Their father gave them great gifts of silver and gold and precious things with fortified cities in Judah. But he gave the kingdom to Jehoram because he was his firstborn. By divine appointment, David had to exclude Adonijah 
in favor of Solomon. When you come to 2 Samuel chapter 3, the Bible says in verse 2, sons were born to David in Beth in Hebron. His firstborn was Amnon. You remember what Amnon did? He lost his birthright. When he raped his sister Tamar, the sister of Abyssalon, immediately the birthright was gone. And he was the son of Ahinoam, the Jezreelites. His second, Kiliab, by Abigail, the widow of Naba the Camelite. Very likely, Kiliab had died. The third, Abyssalom, the son of Maka, the daughter of Tamai, king of Geshu. The fourth, Adonijah, the son of Haggith. The fifth, Shaphatiah, the son of Abital. The sixth, Ithram, by David's wife, Igla. These were born to David in Hebron. But when you go to 1 Kings chapter 139, the Bible says, Then Zadok, the priest, took a horn of oil from the tabernacle and anointed Solomon, and they blew the horn, and all the people said, Long live King Solomon. It was after actually Adonijah had gone with Job to anoint him king. And when he heard that, no, your father has actually anointed Solomon, it's another story for another day. He went to go hold the horns of the altar. And he says, I want Solomon to promise me that he's not going to kill me. And Solomon tells him, tell him to behave like a man. If he behaves like a man, he's not going to be killed. And along the way, Adonijah misbehaved and he was killed. So the Jews attached sacred importance to the rank of firstborn. It just like the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is the first begotten of the Father. Hallelujah. So as a firstborn, Jesus, as a firstborn, he has an inheritance of his Father. Superior to all of us in this room right now. Hallelujah. So the firstborn inherited, had a superior inheritance than his brother. And the firstborn, he alone was a true priest. That's why Jesus today, he is the only true priest. Firstborn of the Father. Romans chapter 8, 29 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Colossians 1, 18, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4 to 6 having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they, for to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. And now you understand what was going on between Jesus and the devil in Matthew chapter 4, when the devil said, ah, you are now hungry. Just bow to me. I'm going to give you food. Just bow to me. I'm going to give you all the glory of the nations. Just bow to me. I'm going to give, I'm, I'm going to make you to become the show off. What was the devil trying to do? The devil was trying to do exactly what is going on between Jacob and Esau. Is that exactly what's going on? Because if Jesus had done that, do you know what was going to happen? He could have sought his birth right. Which means you and I had no hope for salvation. 
So Esau says, I want you today. Jacob says, I want you tomorrow. Esau says, give me what you have right now. Jacob says, give me what you will become tomorrow. Jacob says, okay, I can give you everything that I have today. If you can only give me what I can see, but I know you will become. I know you will become it. So give it to me. You want my shoe? Give it to me. Just give me what I know you will become, even though I can't see it, but I know exactly. Because you know what? He was a Jew. He knew exactly what was going to happen to the firstborn. That's right. So Jacob used what he had to acquire what he desired. I don't know what your desire is. And Issa used what he desired. He desired the same stew. In order for him to sell what he had, I have seen people sell land just because they are desiring to buy a car. And yet they can use the same land to begin to plant soya, process the soya into cooking oil, and buy as many cars as they want. But because they want a car today, and they sign a contract as we're going to see just right now, they lose everything. The fact that you have a birthright doesn't mean that you will fulfill it. Hallelujah. Some have a birthright of blessing and they sell it. If there are people on planet earth who have been blessed, left, right, center, are believers, Christians, children of God. Everything that God has is ours. But we sell it. In verse 32, Jacob, Esau says, and says, look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? But you and I know he was not about to die. In your life before. You never ate food for one night. Did you die? So why is he trying to exaggerate things? Hallelujah. Just because he was hungry for one evening doesn't mean he was going to die. But what Esau is doing is that he is creating a disparation in order to sell himself cheap. Cheap. And a lot of people, a lot of us, we create desperation in order to sell ourselves cheap. And everyone else who makes themselves desperate, they sell themselves cheap. I've seen people who say, any job in your company, any job, any job. I don't care, any job. Whether it's a carpenter, whether it's what, whether it's what. Then, you know, they employ you as, as a cleaner with a master's degree. So they employ you as a cleaner with a master's degree. You come in that office, you discover somebody else also has got a master's degree and he's operating at a certain level. You don't begin to say, ah, no, but me too, I've got a master's. No, when you came, you said any job. Whenever you create desperation in your life, you will sell yourself cheap. You have to know the value that you have. Hallelujah. Let's carry on. Verse 33. Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. Swear to me as of this day. Hallelujah. So Jacob says, you know, you know what? Let's go. So verse, verse, we carry on. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. What is Jacob telling him? Jacob is telling him, you know what? I want you to swear to the Lord. I want you to sign a document. I want you to sign a contract. I want you to sign a covenant. That from this day, you have sought. Why was Jacob doing that? Jacob knew this. 
Jacob knew that after Esau has eaten and he is full of the stew and he is happy and he is no longer weary, he would deny that he ate the stew. He would deny it. So Jacob knew this guy one day he would refuse. So he says, let us sign a contract. You swear before the Lord that today, 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 you ate my stew. And in eating my stew, you have legally and spiritually transferred your birthright to me. And Esau says, I'm a bad guy. What is this birthright to me? You can have it. And, he, and the Bible says, Esau swears. And immediately, the birthright is transferred to Jacob. Let's finish. I'll say two things as I begin, as I close. Number one, please don't negotiate with anyone when you're hungry. Even though it may be that you have not had food at your house for two days, don't don't, don't go into a negotiation with somebody because you are hungry. What people do is this. Sometimes I'm a Peter Gadengagata Peter, and they sign a document and say, I will pay 100% interest. Do you understand what I'm saying? Just because they are very, very hungry. And when they sign, they say, In the event that I have not paid you the money, you can come and collect all the sofa, all the kitchen utensils, all the goats. All the chickens, everything in my house, you can come and collect it. Guys, you are not going to die. If the God who takes care of the birds of the air, can he not take care of you? If he takes care of the flowers of the field, can he not take care of you? But you know what we do? Is we go straight and we have signed some, some gongoles, very, very weird and very awkward, and we put ourselves in trouble. And the people say, you signed a document. Whose signature is this? You signed. But because you were very hungry, you were desperate. And please, don't negotiate when you are desperate. And don't negotiate with anybody when you are tired. You will sell yourself for one meal. The question is, the question I have is this. Why didn't Esau say to Jacob, you know what Jacob, fine. I'm going to sell you the birthright. But from today, you're going to feed me three meals a day till I die. And your, and your children will be feeding my children three meals a day until they die. Why didn't you do that? So the Bible says, and Jacob, verse 34, and Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils then he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. He despised it. 
says God leadership of the family is transferred to you I don't care this you said judicial authority is transferred I don't care this you said a double portion of blessing I don't care because I want this too you may be hungry today but remember your birthright and when you remember your birthright protect it because in this life if you live your life like an Esau Jacob will make money out of you. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word. We bless you. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.